welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. I want you to put your hand on your heart. Uh, Whitney said something uh, this morning, and that is you, you become what you believe. And for many, many years uh, in our church, I started with declarations and I've taught our kids to get up with declarations and I'm bringing back the declarations because this is who we are. So if you've never done this before, we put this, the words on the screen. I want you to say this with me because this is what we believe. Come on. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the Word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up our hands. Say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Come, Holy Spirit. Come on, invite Him. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand. Look at somebody and say, you look great. Thank you for being in the house of God today. And you may be seated. So honored to have you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the thousands literally that watch online, whether it's through YouTube or Facebook. Thank you so much. Uh, It means the world to us when you can't be in the room that you are with us. And uh, I just wanted to start today uh, talking about hope and ask you a question. And I hope it provokes your thought. And that is, what is the basis of your hope? Where, where does your hope come from? And as we, as we dive into that, I want to talk to you about hope. A number of years ago, researchers performed an experiment to see the effect hope has when undergoing hardship. And I'm going to stop right there for just a second. How many of you are in some type of hardship or you're going through some type of struggle in your life right now. Let me just see your hands. I want you to leave your hands up for a minute because I want you to look around and I want you to know you're not the only one struggling. And uh, we are all struggling and on some level and there's hard stuff that happens in life. And that's why hope is difficult sometimes because we do go through struggle and we do have hard times. And it's not life that sucks the hope out of you but it's just things that happen in life can leave you feeling hopeless. In fact, since 1999, uh, suicide has continually risen 24%. And that's because we live in a world that's moved further and further away from not the author of hope, but the one whose name is hope. And Jesus is hope. He is our hope. And so when you live in a society that removes God from schools and it's okay. You know, the school, it's not important that God be in schools. It's important that God is in your life and in your home. So I don't want educators just teaching my kids about God. I'm the faith trainer. I'm the one that teaches my family about God. So I don't want to leave it up to educators to try to, well, we took the Bible out of school. We took God out of school. Listen, let's have God in our home. We won't have to worry about what's happening in the school because this will set the precedent for what happens in school. And that's the truth. But you remove the God factor. You, you see all the conflict that's in the world right now. We're involved in, in very heated political battles right now. And it causes people to feel hopeless. And uh, if one side wins, somebody feels hopeless. 
And it's because we're basing our hope on the wrong people. We're basing our hope on political views. We're basing our hopes on our opinions. And hope is found one place, and it's in what God says. That's where hope is. And so, again, where does your hope come from? So researchers did an experiment uh, to see the effect hope has on undergoing hardship. Two sets of laboratory rats were placed in tubs of water. The researchers left one set in the water and found that within an hour, they'd all drowned. So they're swimming, they're swimming, and so in an hour they drowned. When that happened, the second set of rats were periodically, while that was happening, they were lifted out of the water. And what they found was the second set of rats swam for over 24 hours. Why? Not because they were given a rest, but because they had hope. Those animals somehow hoped that if they could stay afloat just a little bit longer, someone would reach down and rescue them. And if hope holds such power from an unthinking rodent, how much greater should hope, Jesus, hope affect our lives? Because no matter what we're going through, no matter what the hardship is, God wants us to understand that our hope must come from what he says. Your hope is not gonna come from your spouse. If you've been married long enough, you know what I'm talking about. If you put your hope in your spouse, you'll at some point feel very hopeless. Your hope doesn't come just from your family. Your hope doesn't come upline from your family and your hope doesn't come downline from your family. Your hope doesn't come in your future security, job security. And yet for many people, their, their hope is based on people, places, and things. And it's misplaced hope. And the reason we have a hopeless society today, many people struggle with hope, many people that are believers and in the body of Christ, they struggle with hope. And the reason we struggle with hope, and I wanna just get really real with you, is because you have to understand, hope comes number one from what God says, not from what they said, not from what they did, not from the unfair situation or, or a circumstance. But hope, first and foremost, comes from what God says. So I'm, I'm not going to get into this because I don't have time to get into it. But I'm going to touch on it. Uh, the second place that hope comes from is it comes from the meaning and purpose that we give life. And I, and I want to dial that in for a minute. But before I do, let me, let me talk to you about what God says uh, on the first page, the first page of the Bible. And I, I actually have mine pretty marked up on the first page. That's because on the first page, it says, God says nine times. So the Bible starts with God says. And the first time God spoke is he spoke into a condition. And what was the condition? That the earth was without form. It was void. It was dark. And so the first thing that God said was let there be, say it if you know it, light. So, so again, here's what I want you to understand. Everything in scripture, starting on the first page is for you. It's a template for how you're supposed to live your life and whether you're gonna base your hope and your life on what God says or what they said, on what God says or what you say 
on what God says or what happened in your life. So God speaks to the condition and the condition that he speaks to is darkness. People that, that find hopelessness, they describe it as a very dark place. I, I was going to uh, show a video, and, but it was a long video. And I went back to Oprah Winfrey and I was gonna show this video and I just thought it was the most amazing video. And this morning, uh, the first thing we got up, I had just made my declarations. Uh, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad and I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. Good morning, precious. And then I said, good morning to precious Sheila. And she said, you know that video, I don't think you're supposed to play it. So I think people just need to come and hear the word. I said, okay, baby. So I texted the team and said, we're not gonna do that video, but I'm gonna tell you about the video. So I, I wanna encourage you to go to YouTube and find the video. But I'm not gonna play the video because it was a long video. But here's the essence of the video. Some of you remember, there was a couple named Chris and Lori Coble. They were a great couple. They had three beautiful children. They had a boy and two girls and just a, a great family and believing for a great future. And, and, and one day she got into the car with her, her three children and her mother and they're just driving home and um, one of her daughters that was in uh, one of the baby chairs, what do you call those things? Car seats, thank you, car seats. She reached back and started rubbing on her toes because she said she was hungry. She goes, we'll be home in a minute. And she said, that's the last thing I can remember uh, saying because an 18 wheeler plowed into them carrying 40,000 pounds. When it did, it was so horrific the scene was so horrific that they took the family to all different hospitals because it was so major. And the mother was taken to a hospital, the son was taken to a hospital, the daughters were taken to separate hospitals. And within about 30 minutes over the next hour, the calls came in. We're so sorry, your daughter expired. The next call, we're so sorry, your daughter expired. The last call came to the husband the wife was in very critical condition, came to the husband, he said, please don't tell me. And they said, your son is on life support. He's not gonna make it, but we won't take him off life support. His brain is not working, nothing's happening until you get here. He got his wife out of bed, put her in a wheelchair. She's in critical condition herself. They go to that hospital, they walk in, he puts his hand on his son's chest. He starts speaking over his son. He starts thanking his son for his life. He, he starts telling his son that he's sorry. And then he let his son go. In one day, in one wreck, in one moment, in one second, they lost their three children. They would go on to describe their life as such a, a, a dark place. It was like, it was like hope was gone. And even as I watched this video, I thought about my own kids. I thought how blessed I am to be able to have seen my kids grow up, how blessed I am that now they work with us. It's a dream come true for me. And as, they, as Oprah did the interview, she talked about how their life was at such a dark place. And one night, three months later, they were laying in bed together. She was still recovering. And she looked at her husband and she said, I wanna have a family again. And he said, I want to have a family again. And they decided, let's have a family again. She got pregnant one year later to the date of the car crash. 
She had triplets. She had a boy and two girls. Not only that, but long story short, the middle names of the triplets are the names of their first three children. And the message was to the world from them was, no matter what's happened in your life, with God, you can hope again. But you know what happens to so many people? They go through stuff, then they would go through something like that, go, We're not, oh, oh, we would never have more children because they're gonna die someday, it would hurt too bad. Oh, oh, we'd never do that. You know, this last week I was in Florida, I went back to the gym where the last time I was in that gym, I left that gym and had a massive heart attack. And I went back in that gym for the first time. And you know what? There was no fear in my heart. I just thought, hey, last time I was in here, I left this place and it was, it was not a good situation. I went back in, I lifted in that gym, I flipped on the Insta story and I told the story. I said, little Pastor Preston was with me. I said, hey, the last time I was in this gym, I just thought about this. I left this gym and I almost died, but I'm back at this gym now just about six months later to declare the goodness of God and to declare that you can go, listen, don't, don't let something in your past go, I'm never going there again. I'm never doing that again because this might happen again. Let me tell you what's gonna happen again in your future. The goodness of God over and over and over and over and good things. Listen, it's December 15th. I prophesied that December was going to be the best month of the year. Come on, we got 15 days, y'all. We got a few days left, 16 days. On December 31st, I am going to give the word. It's not going to be bleeped out. I'm going to declare it. It's going to come to pass, and we're going to step into 2020, y'all, and it's going to be double, double. We're going to believe God's best. It's going to be awesome. So get ready, get set, let's grow. Let's do it. But here's what I want to tell you. Too often times we don't think enough about it to understand where, where is my hope? Is my hope that in my wife? Is my hope in my cousin? In my cousin? Is my hope in my husband? Is my hope in my girlfriend? Is my hope in my job? Is my hope in who's in the White House? Is my hope in in this or that, and people find themselves in total hopelessness. Watch this, because they're putting their hope in the wrong people, places, and things, and they're not putting their hope in Jesus. So all the way back to the first page, God said nine times. By the way, anytime there's what's called biblical hermeneutics, the science and art of biblical interpretation, and whether a number is listed or in a particular passage of scripture in terms of context, when something is said over and over, it takes on what is called interpretive significance. And you say, what, is, you say, what does that mean? If God says nine times, here's what nine means in scripture. This is how the Bible starts, finality, fruitfulness and fullness of time. God starts the word of God by saying, what needs to be final in your life is gonna be final. Because God, at any time in your life, there's gonna be finality. There's gonna be things that come to an end. You see, God doesn't think like we think. The prophet Isaiah said, his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so God's ways and thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So how does God think? He doesn't think beginning, middle, and end. He thinks the end Finality, the middle, beginning. So there's going to be some things by the end of the year for some of y'all that come to an end in the name of Jesus that have been needing to come to an end. You know why? Because God wants to do a new thing. 
He says, behold, I will do a new thing and it will spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in your wilderness and I'll bring rivers into your deserts. God's always wanting to do a new thing, but we gotta, we gotta come final with some things. Some of y'all keep dragging the past into your future like there's a reward for it. The only memories you got is a bad memory. God didn't give you an ability to have a memory so you could remember bad things. He gave you an ability to remember so you could look at your future and decide, I'm gonna create good memories so that when I look back and John, Pastor John, when I'm older, guess what I've got? I've got my memories because I've made some good memories and it's a remembrance that God is a good God in my life. That's why God gave you a memory, not to mess you up, not to, so you could remember and anchor yourself the bad things that happened in your life so that you could get, he gave you a memory so that you could get very intentional about understanding the power that you have. What is the power that I have? It's to define a moment, not for a moment to define me. So, so how do I have hope? The way that I have hope is first of all, I have hope because of what God says. And then secondly, I have hope based on the meaning that I give things. So again, back to Genesis one. Darkness, void, chaos, God says let there be light. And light speaks of vision. The vision you have for your life, the vision you have for your marriage, the vision you have for your business, the dream that you have, it all starts with light. So light in scripture is a lot less about light and darkness and a lot more about vision and visionlessness. Your vision is your vision. Your marriage and how your marriage is going is a direct result of what your vision is for your marriage. Your business and your life and your money is a direct result of the vision that you have for it. And once you begin to own that and say, okay, what is my vision? What is my vision for my marriage? What is my vision for my life? What is my vision for my future? Now I'm gonna say this with all due respect and I probably got family members watching family of origin members watching. I'm in a room full of family of choice, by the way. But in my family of origin, I would see certain things and I feel like an alien sometimes, Dr. John. I go, man, is this like my, like this is, this is my blood, but this is not me. I'm not gonna think like that, not gonna be like that, not gonna do like that. They became my teachers. So therefore, guess what? I don't have any issues with what my family was or wasn't, why? Because I learned how not to be and I learned how I wanted to be. I didn't blame them for how they were, I just said that's not me. And we're gonna change some things. When I become the boss of me, and by the way, you're never too young to be your own boss. That's where it starts. People, by the way, that aren't good bosses of themselves, they don't make good bosses of other people. Let me rewind that. People that don't lead themselves well will never lead other people well. And so it's very important for you to realize that about yourself. Why? That's why you need to have a clear vision for yourself. So everything in scripture, beginning with page one, is a template for your life. Second thing God, God said was, let's create an atmosphere. In other words, let's create the heavens. He created the heavens before he created the earth. Because he said, this is how important atmosphere is. There's gotta be an atmosphere, there's gotta be there, there, there's gotta be an atmosphere where things can grow. And that comes from heaven. And so he created this atmosphere. You create an atmosphere everywhere you go. Based on the vision that you have for your life, you create an atmosphere for your life. Your atmosphere is not the atmosphere on the outside, it's the atmosphere you have on the inside. How's your atmosphere? 
Is it cold? Is it dark? Is it not good? Is it sad? Is it depressed? Well, guess what? That directly determines what happened on the third day. God then created the earth. Earth speaks of structure. So let's back up for a minute. When there's light, I have vision. Then when I have vision and there's light, on the second day, there can be a right atmosphere. Once there's a right atmosphere, then watch this. Then the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I can have right structure in my life, in my marriage, in my family, and in my business. On the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he said, the sun will govern the earth by day. The moon will govern the earth by night. And he set those things in place because that speaks of order. So here we go. Here's the template. This is how the Bible starts, y'all. I'm just preaching the very first page. Because hope starts with what God says. So what's the first thing God said nine times? Here's what God said, let there be light. Is there darkness in your life right now? Speak, let there be light. You know why we stood up, put our hand on our heart? Because we spoke from our heart. I am a child of God. I am, I am the apple of God's eye. I am who God says I am. Why? Because I'm aligning what I'm saying with what God's saying. Your words matter. Your words matter. Everybody understand that negative things matter. Hateful things matter. Sheila and I were on an airplane, and I won't mention the, the airlines, but it was AA. And, uh, and so it just seems more and more that we're just delayed, delayed. And uh, so we were delayed about four hours. And, and what happens when people are delayed is they start to drink, y'all. I know some of y'all don't do this, but there's some people that do, oh, we're late, let's go to the bar. And I promise you half the plane was drunk. <laughs> One guy gets on there and everybody that voted for Trump thinks this guy represents Trump. He starts going, Trump, 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 Trump. Then he starts saying hateful and mean things. Finally, the police drag him off the plane. Of course, in my mind, I'm thinking that's what everybody thinks Trump people are like because the idiots like him. But the truth is, it ain't even about that. It's about mentalities that people have. And because of what was coming out of his mouth, they removed him off the plane. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Some of you do not have this revelation. You know negative stuff matters and mean stuff matters, but you don't know how much positive stuff matters. You don't know that when I say something out of my mouth, if I'm speaking negative things, guess what? I'm surrounding the atmosphere with negativity. People who don't even know God call it negative energy. It's like, oh no, there they come. So, let there be light, let there be atmosphere. He created the earth, let there be structure. He created the sun, moon, and stars, let there be order. On the fifth day, he created everything that moved on the earth, every creeping thing the Bible says, he created. So he created movement. Okay, let's stop for a minute. How are things moving in your life? Are things moving forward? Are things going in the direction that you want them to go? More importantly, is your life going in the direction God wants to go? Well, if it's not, let's go back to the fourth day of creation. Is your life in order? Are you putting God first with your money? Because money's not going to move in the right direction if you don't. 
Let me say that again. You can think, oh, I'm about a preacher. I, I'm just saying, I, I say it, my family gets mad at me, everybody gets mad at me. I said, our church doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. I'm the father of this house. I started this church. I want everybody to get it because I want you to get it. So when we talk to you about money, it's because we want you to win. That's the bottom line. Not to keep these lights on. God's going to do it with you or without you. He's going to do it with or without me. Why? Because this is his house. It's his kingdom. But listen very carefully to what I'm saying. When you're worried about other people talking about money and you're criticizing it, here's what you're saying. You have a problem with money. That's why you won't have any. And it's the truth. And so some people never get free with that. They never get free, so they're judging everybody else, and they're judging the preacher, and they're judging this, and they're judging that, but they don't understand. God just might want to teach you something. So watch this. Are things moving? In your life, the direction that you want, I can't answer that, but you can answer it right now in your mind. You know, well, it'd be, it'd be a little, if this would be better, I'd work out a little bit better. I, I could, I could, how many of you have some area of your life you'd like to move a little bit better than it's moving? Let me just see your hands. Okay, watch this. Go to the next, go, go back to the fourth day of, crea of creation. What, what's the fourth day of creation? Order. Is your life in order? Is your money in order? Well, if things are out of order, let's go back. Is there a structure issue in your marriage, in your family, how you're structured? Is there structure for your children? Is there structure in your business? Well, let's go back. What kind of atmosphere is going on? Well, well let's go back. Um, atmosphere's not good. Well, let's go back. Is there darkness and void and chaos? Yeah. Well, let's start with day one. Let there be light. Get a new vision. So, so normally I don't share just, you know, every personal thing. I share some personal things because y'all are my family. But, uh, but I sent this to my kids uh, this week. In fact, last night, I think yesterday. They, they probably would remember when it was. I send them stuff all the time. Some of them actually read it. <laughs> so I've been sending my, uh, my heart rate every day. Because my, my uh, down in my blood pressure, you know, it spiked way up six months ago. That died, that killed me. So, so we had a conversation about a month ago. Josh said, Dad, I just want to make sure you're taking care of yourself. And, you know, one day I had this wrist monitor on. My blood pressure was 200 and something. I go, I'm just telling you that's not right. He goes, well, I'm going to order you a, a cup thing then, extra large cup for your arm. It's probably a thigh cup or something like that. But anyway... Just joking. <laughs> I just wanted to give you people that, you know, like to think people are egotistical and arrogant, something to chew on for a few minutes. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Anyway, so he got me an accurate account of my blood pressure. The wrist things don't work, by the way. They just don't. If you take your blood pressure, what would you say, son? What would you like to say to the church, son? I'm preaching right now, but you obviously would like to say something. What, what would you like to say? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it work is good. Thank you. He, he wanted me to be softer with that. They don't work as well as the arm things that you can get. So, so anyway, um, so I've been sending my blood pressure, and it's been really good. Like, thank you, son. He goes, so good. Because Josh was concerned I wouldn't take care of myself. So last night before, I, so I sent it in the morning, first thing, and at night. So last night I was 123 over 76. And so here's what I said to my kids. I said, I was thinking as I was taking my heartbeat that someday it's gonna stop. 
I'm not saying this to be weird, because when I say stuff like that, they all go, oh, go, Dad. I just want to seize every moment I can with y'all and make beautiful memories. So many people have bad memories. I think one of the reasons is because people don't know the power they have to make a good memory. I can tell you that I've always thought that way. My desire was to create good memories for you when you were growing up. In life, you don't get do-overs when it comes to time that has passed. Let's live not missing moments. Let's live intentionally making good memories. Let's get over Kurtz quickly in our tribe. Let's live each day as a gift from God because it is. Let's be known for our love. Let's make people around us feel special. Let's always be the bigger person in a disagreement. Let's make love, care, and serve a motto in our family. Let's prefer one another. Let's be hearty with approbation and lavish with praise. Let's be a grateful tribe. Let's build wealth for the kingdom. Let's, advance, let's always be about advancing God's kingdom. Let's don't fight for our way. Let's fight for the best way. Let's be great lovers. Let's struggle well. Let's fail well by learning from our failures. Let's not be easily offended. Let's know plus grow plus go plus so equals flow. That's what I sent my family last night before I went to sleep. And I'm saying that to you because, watch this, words matter. Dads, listen to me. My kids are 32, 30, and 29. I still speak over them. I still speak into their life. You got kids that are estranged from you, they don't want to be with you. As long as you got their phone number, you've got a positive word to text them and say, here's what I believe in God for you. It doesn't matter what their response is. It don't even matter if they do response. That's the power of your words. So again, this template thing, where does hope come from? It comes from what God says. What does God say? Let there be light when there's darkness and void. Everything starts with a word. Second thing, what does God say? Let's get a good atmosphere going. That's what I was speaking over my kids. Let's don't be easily offended in this family. And I will call you out if you are. I will tell you to get over it. I will tell you I love you, but I'm not going to live feeling sorry for you for something that happened in your past. Your feelings are not facts. Let's move forward as a family. That's the kind of family I want to have. I don't know if you want to have. Some people just want to feel sorry for each other, and that's the kind of family culture they got. Everybody sits around and feels sorry for each other. Not in our family, Diana. Mike, not in our family. I don't want, I don't want to have a family that people walk around getting offended, getting upset. But I, as the father, have got to speak that. Amen. Sean, here's what I believe for my family. Let's be this kind of family. And then they can be however they want to, but they know where it starts is with me. Here's what we're going to do. So by the way, when I put that out there, I've got to be that. Amen. I said, when I put that out there, I've got to be that, right? So you can't say it if you're not willing to fight for it yourself because you've got to fight to be that way. Here's my point. Listen very carefully. Nine times God said, and it's a template, light, here's how it works, light slash vision, atmosphere. What kind of atmosphere are you creating here so you can determine the atmosphere out here? See, some people can't figure out why they can't win out here because they're not winning in here. Thirdly, the structure. What does your earth look like? What does your world look like? What's the part of the world that has your name on it look like? 
Everything that your name is assigned to, every kind of debt that you have, everything that you've had to sign for, what does your world look like? That's a, that, that speaks of structure. How is it structured? Can it be restructured? Can you get a better mortgage rate? Can you restructure some things? What's the fourth thing? The fourth thing, sun, moon, stars governed by day. Is there order in your life? Have you got your life in order? When your life is in order, fifth day, God created every moving thing. God creates everything. He, God didn't create things just to walk around. He created things to move in the right direction. He didn't create your world just to exist. He created you to move in the right direction. On the sixth day, what did God create? God created relationships. Watch this. Is your happiness, come on y'all, is your hope directly attached to your relationships? Can anything suck the life out of you more quickly than a relationship gone bad? I mean, relationships are the deal, right? I mean, absolutely. Our true happiness in life is directly related, not to what I'm doing, but with what I'm doing with somebody else. And then on the seventh day, God rested or recreated. Some people don't have any recreation. That's a word, etymology, recreation. They don't have any fun in their life, watch this. They have no peace or rest in their life, watch this, because their relationships aren't right. Back up, things are moving in the wrong direction. Back up, their life is out of order. Back up, their structure's wrong. Back up, they've got the wrong kind of atmosphere out here because they've got the wrong kind of atmosphere around here. Back up, there's more darkness than light because they're not speaking the right things. I hope you got that. I hope you got that. That's a huge deal right there. So hope comes from where? Preach it back to me. What God says. I'm going to give you another chance. Hope comes from where? What God says. Come on, say it. Hope comes from what God says. I just gave you the first, the first page. Look at all those pages. I gave you the template of the first page. That's on the first page. And when you get that, it's like, okay, I have hope because here's what God says. So if God says it, I can say it. If God did it, I can do it. Why? Because I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God. Somebody put an amen on that. But then here's the second place hope comes from. Listen very carefully. It comes from the meaning and purpose that I have in my life. A 25-year study, Blue Zones, I cite it all the time. I'm intrigued by it. Because it's the study of humanity and people that live to be 100 and beyond. Centenarians, is that how you say it? Centenarians. People that live 100 and beyond and they're healthy. Seven places in the world. We have some people from Loma Linda that are a part of our church. That they're, they're from the only place in the United States where people live to be 100 and are healthy. Groups of people. And there's a lot of factors, but the number one factor is whether you're in Okinawa, Japan, whether you're in Greece, no matter what the blue zone is where people are living long, is not their diet, it's not their exercise, it's not their health. Watch this, number one, they live with meaning and purpose. Now let me give you a secret, listen very carefully. What is it that gives you meaning? What is it that makes you feel like you're alive? Because that's directly attached to whether you have hope or not. Now. Again, I usually reserve this kind of talk for my masterminds because it's pretty deep. And I'm helping people who are CEOs or, or small business owners and some very large business owners. I'm helping with the thought process, not to so that they'll think like me, but to hopefully inspire them to think better about what they're thinking about and hopefully maybe think about some things that they're not thinking about that they need to be thinking about as it relates to meaning. So listen very carefully now to what I'm going to tell you. 
meaning. Here's, what, here's when you get powerful. Anybody here want to be more powerful? I hope everybody raise your hand because if you're not, you're weak. Some of you want to be more powerful. I want to be more powerful. Okay? I want to have power over my destiny. I want to have power to make a decision. I want to have power in my life. That power, the Bible says, comes from the Holy Spirit. But watch this. Here's so, this is so important. Too often times we don't realize the power that we really have is to give meaning to meaning. Now, let me pause here for just a second. Today, David Stroud's gonna be in the lobby. It's the end of the year. We're, we're taking new people into our masterminds. We've got a few slots because I'm doing elite masterminds now. And so some of those people have stepped over to another part of mastermind and it's opened up the door for some people who are, who are that we have some slots in mastermind. If you're interested in taking your business or your life to another level, let me help you. But if it's not me, get help from somebody. Because you know what? Too many people, watch this. It's like they want to know how to do it. They just don't know how to do it on the next level. They want to know how to do it, but they just don't know what it takes. That's what our mastermind processes are about. So if you're interested, be in the lobby. David is there. Look for David's job. There's a mastermind sign. And, and, and at least come be a guest to see if it's something that resonates with you. And it takes some time. But the truth is, we're going to teach you how to win. I said, we're going to teach you how to win. And so if you're wanting to win on another level, consider that. Now watch this. Back to this. Meaning, meaning. My hope is attached. Watch this now to the meaning that I give things. Let me tell you where Pastor Sheila and I are gonna have conflict and where you're gonna have conflict in your marriage as well. If we're having an argument, which we did recently, and I say to her, I'm just using myself as an example, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that that way. At that point, it can be over. Or at that point, watch this, because of what I say, because of how I acted, because of what came out of my mouth, it really doesn't matter to her what it meant. It matters to her how it made her feel. Now listen very, very carefully, because so many people live on the uncontrollable side of life because of what happens and the way it makes them feel. I've already said it. Your feelings aren't facts, they're feelings. So now watch this. If I say to her, or she says to me, I didn't mean that, and I say, okay, you love me more than anybody in the world. I love you more than anybody in the world. That's why I put a ring on it. That's why you put a ring on it. So I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. If you tell me you didn't, you didn't mean it that way, then let's move on. And we move on, and that's the truth. Recently, we had a little disagreement, and I'm not gonna tell you what it's about, because it's totally stupid. How many of you know uh, stuff that happens that involves disagreements usually starts with something very stupid, immature, ignorant. Come on, some of y'all are raising your hand. Everybody ought to raise your hand on that, okay? So, so, so watch this now. It went on too long, and finally when I said, because I'm the person in our relationship, I know this about myself, I caused most of the problems. How many of you are the person that causes most of the problems in your relationship? Just keep your hand up for a minute. Let the person next to you know, yes, that is you. Yes, that, give them a high five now. Yes, thank you for admitting that. Now, now, Pastor John Bosman did not raise his hand. His wife's not here, so obviously she's the problem. Thank you, brother. But anyway, he's on the front row. I said, how many of you are the cause of the problem? He's like, she's not here, but she knows. Okay, so anyway, now watch this. If you know you're the one 
that causes most of the problems for whatever reason, whether it's right or wrong. By the way, I don't have time to preach this, but I'm going to stop right here just a second. A little segue. The favor that's on your life will reveal issues in other people. Mary, you're highly favored. Joseph's issues were revealed. Herod's issues were revealed. Okay, enough of that. I'm going to step back out of that. Here's the thing. If I say I'm sorry like I did, she said, thank you for doing that because you helped me get past this. Some people refuse to do what they know they need to do in a marriage and stuff goes on and on and on and they could fix it, but watch this, they won't because they're giving the wrong meaning to things. Now, I don't have time to go deep, a deep dive on this, but I want you to get it. Your hope is attached to two things. Whether you have hope, like if I were to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how much hope do you have? Whatever you are on that scale is determined by not only what God says, but you believing how important what God says is in your life and then aligning your life with that. And the second thing is to get real about what you're giving meaning to in your life. And here's what happens to people who have long-term, hear my heart on this, I'm gonna get down on one knee to say this. People that have ongoing issues about something that's happened in the past are giving the wrong meaning to those things and they're telling a story over and over and over in their mind and creating a narrative that keeps them stuck in their past. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. So God didn't give you a memory so you could remember all the bad that they did. God gave you a memory so that as you look to the future, you'd be able to say, hey, that, I'm going to define my moments in the future. Moments are not going to define me, and therefore, I'm going to create good memories that when I look back, doctor, it's going to help me and not hurt me. Is that helping you? I'm coaching a little bit today more than I'm pastoring, but I want to encourage you. If you're going to have hope, you've got to believe what God says, and you've got to do it. And then the second thing is you've got to start assigning the right meaning to certain things that happen in your life. If I can help you do that through our masterminds, let me help you do it. If I can't find somebody that can help you think better about what has happened so that you can have a better future than you ever imagined in the name of Jesus, all right? So here's the last thing. The last thing is how, how do I get more hope? So where does, by the way, y'all preach it back to me. Where does hope come from? Number one, it comes from what God says, and number two, the meaning I give to things. Some of my family might be watching, and some of us have to deal with stuff I say just like my family does in here. But you're my family of choice. But I would grow up in the, in the, in the home that I grew up in, and Charlotte, here's what I would say. That's not going to be how I'm going to be. I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to act that way. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to raise my family that way. Doesn't mean everything was wrong. It meant I don't have any issues from my past because I gave the meaning that I decided to give to how things were. 
And people that have issues, watch this, from their past is because of the meaning they're giving it and they're allowing it to hurt them and be a victim from something they had no control over rather than saying, you know what? I have the beauty of having a totally dysfunctional past that I can learn from that as I go into my future, I know I don't want to act like that. I don't want to think like that. I don't want to do like that. I don't want to be like that. Thank you very much. You've shown me how not to do it. Now let's go and build a great life. And you know what? I love y'all, but I'm headed over here. Come on. But so many people watch this, they want to hold on to the hurt. And they give meaning to the wrong things, and it robs you of your hope. And people can't figure it out. So how do I get more hope? Real quick. Number one, believe in the goodness of God. Let me be honest with you. I have a hard time sometimes believing in the goodness of people. But because I believe in the goodness of God, I believe God will lead the right people into my life at the right place, at the right time, so that the right things will happen. I don't believe just in the goodness, goodness. Oh, you're such a good person. I believe in the goodness of God and that he has the power to change anybody. That's what I believe. And you know why I believe God has the power to change anybody? Because he just continues to change me. The older I get, Brad, the more I got to be willing to change. It's not like the older I get, I want to get set in my ways. No, 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 no. Or as Pastor Sheila says, I'm going to try to do it like she says. She goes, nope, mm mm-mm, mm-mm. That's the way she does it. Nope, nope, mm mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't even know how we're, it's like it's so funny. We're talking to this, she goes, no, I I said, nope, mm mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. I go, okay. Nope, mm mm-mm, mm-mm. Some of y'all need to get that spirit about your past and about what they did and about what they said. No, mm -mm -mm, not anymore. Not anymore. It's my life. It's my future. I'm taking it back. You can't have that part part of my heart that I let you walk out with. I'm I'm retrieving that, and my heart's going to be intact. Okay. So what was I saying? The goodness of God. I could give you 100 scriptures. Are these notes on the website, Josh? Go on the website. I'm sure they're on the website. Thank you for that confidence that you just inspired me with. But God is a good God. Y'all look at me. God is a good God. And people aren't always good, but because God's a good God, here's what you can have as you face your future. God's going to bring the right people in my life at the right place, at the right time. The right things are going to happen for me. But here's the second thing. So I believe in the goodness of God. That, that helps my hope bank. Secondly, Y'all said they're on. Thank you so much. What is it? Live? Huh? Live.elevate.life. There are so many dots in that. Live.elevate.life. Okay. So, I'm almost through, son. Hang on. If I'm going to have more hope than I got, I've got to believe in the goodness of God. But then the second thing is on me as well. I've got to repent. First words out of Jesus' mouth were his mission statement. He comes up out of the water after John the Baptist baptizes him. God speaks. Dove comes from heaven and God says, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. The first thing he says was, the kingdom, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is within your reach. Repent there doesn't mean say, I'm sorry. Repent means 
Change your thinking. Change the direction of your life. Do your life God's way, not your way. Repent. That's on us. We've got to be the ones to say, God, I want your way and not my way. How many of you want God's way in your life and not your way? It's going to put a big demand on you because sometimes you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do, like forgive somebody, like love somebody, like be generous to somebody, have a hard conversation with somebody. But then here's the last thing. Hold on. If I'm going to have hope, it's going to be because I hold on to the anchor of hope. The Bible calls Jesus the anchor of our hope. And I want to just go to this scripture, and I want to leave you with this. Listen very carefully now. Father, I just ask you as this word is read, that you will open up people's hearts, open up their mind, and that, Lord, we would not hold on to the wrong things that zap our hope, but hope in you. In the same way, God, in his desire to show the heirs of the promise, which is us. Did you know there's 7,487 promises in the Bible? You know why there's promises? To give you hope. Therefore, if you never read this Bible and you don't know what the promises are, if you don't come to the house of God and hear what the promises of God are, you're probably going to have a hope issue. But there's 704. There's 7,487 promises in the Bible. And the reason God makes promises is because he wants to give you hope, especially when things are, are not going right. In the same way, God, in his desire to show the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things. What's unchangeable about God? His promises. Everybody put an amen on that. And what he says, what comes out of his mouth, his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie. So if God says he's going to work all things together for your good, why are you allowing the thing that happened that you don't understand to zap your hope? He's going to work it together for you. You can take as long as you want to to go through your process, but he says, I'm going to work all things, not some things. I, here's what he says. How does hope come, by the way? What God says. All things work together for your good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean it won't hurt. It doesn't mean that there won't be a process, but watch this. However long the process takes for you to get healed is up to you. And to move forward, it's up to you. Put an amen on that. Because here's what God says. I'm gonna work it together for your good. Oh, by the way, you can do all things through me. I'll be your strength. Oh, by the way, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Promise after promise after promise. So God cannot lie, the Bible says, it's impossible. We who have fled to him for refuge would have strong encouragement and indwelling strength to hold tightly, watch this, hold tightly to the hope that is set before us. This hope or confident assurance we have is an anchor of our soul. It cannot slip, it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. It's a safe, steadfast hope that enters within the veil of the heavenly temple that the most holy place in which the very presence of God dwells where Jesus entered in advance as a forerunner for us. Watch this, he goes behind the veil. He goes into the presence of God. He drives the anchor. Just think about an anchor. He drives the anchor down. Boats don't anchor to each other. You can't anchor yourself to another person. They're like you. They're floating along in life. 
Jesus goes beyond the veil. He anchors us. That's where our hope is anchored. He anchors us into the eternal, into the supernatural. And he says, now hold on to that. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what you see, no matter what they say, no matter how they hurt you, hold on to this. Yes, hold on to some of that, but hold on to this and it'll help you with that. Too often times we're holding our hope onto the wrong things. We're through, but just listen to me. One last thing. What are you anchored to? Your anger quotient will be determined by what you're anchored to. You see, God didn't call you to stand on people. He called you to be anchored in his promises. That person left me. Then you're messed up for the rest of your life. My dad, blah, blah, blah. Then you're messed up for the rest. That's because you're anchoring yourself to that person. I lost everything in that business. I'll never try again. That's because you're anchored to the wrong thing. Do you want to have a family again? Yes, I want to have a family again. Here's the next question. But what if they die like our other three children? What if something horrible happens? Maybe we shouldn't and we get afraid, watch this, and we never take divine risk because of our own lack of faith, hope, and love that God has a great future for us. And no matter what happens while you're still breathing, while you're still on this side of the dirt, I'm prophesying into your life right now, the best is yet to come. It doesn't matter what it looks like right now. Hold your anchor, not just into the future, but as you look to the future, have two hands. Yes, yes, there's people in your life that are important. They're like anchors for you. But let me tell you something. Your anchor of your soul is not not your spouse. The anchor of your soul is not your pet. The anchor of your soul is not your job. The anchor of your soul has gone beyond the veil and is planted into the eternal. And God says, when you need my super, because of that anchor, my super will burst into your life and hope will come again and you will accomplish great and mighty things according to the prophet Jeremiah that you know not of. Because your soul is anchored. Old church. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The Bible says there's a wise man and an unwise man An unwise man builds his house on sand. He builds it on the way that he thinks. He raises his family based on what he thinks. He raises his family based on how his dad was. He acts how his dad acted. And the Bible says the storms of life come and they wash away the foundation of that house. The foundation of that and the house, the the fall of that house was great. Why? Because it was not built on a foundation that was the rock. 
There's another man the Bible says that builds his house on the rock. He builds his house on the truth of God's word. He builds his house, he builds his marriage, he builds his finances based on what God says. And when the storms come, what's the, what's the point of the story? Storms are going to come. Listen, some of you, your biggest storms are ahead of you. I had a storm six months ago that they said should have killed me, but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, not my blood. It's like I'm gonna fix what I gotta fix. But guess what? As long as there's breath in me, I'm building my house, my family, my finances, everything on the rock. And when the storms come, that house stood because it's built on the rock, on the rock. What's your hope built on? Bow your heads with me. If you'd be honest enough today to say, you know what? I've been hoping in the wrong things. I've been hoping for my career. I've been hoping for my raise. I've been hoping for this, I've been hoping for that. And been finding myself in a dark place at times. And not just directionless, but I've been, I've been finding myself just not having hope. I wanna give your hope back today because your hope in any of that, not any of them, not any of that, it's in what he says. It's in what you decide something means. And God will restore your latter days. I'm prophesying over you now, your latter days are gonna be greater than your former days. As long as you're alive, the next day you get to live, God says, because I'm God, it's going to be better and better. Come on, and better. I just don't see it. It's going to be better and better and better. Why? Because our hope is in Him. And if you're here and you say, my hope is not in Him, and I need to get my life right. If that's you, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, it doesn't matter. You can get right with God too. In this room, family of choice, if you're saying, hey, I need to get my life right with God. When I count to three, stick that hand up and guess what you're doing? You're grabbing on to the anchor of hope. And I'm gonna pray a prayer for you. If that's you on three, slip up your hand. One, two, three, come on. All over this place, I need to get anchored in God and I'm not. I need to get anchored in God and I'm not. Come on, today's your day. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you can put your hands down. Say this with me out loud. Words matter. Words matter. So say this with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Forgive me for the mistakes that I've made. Cleanse me from the inside out. Help me to be the person you've created me to be. Jesus, be the anchor of my soul. Be the Lord of my life from this day forward. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.